We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I am your host, Alex Golden, and I'm joined today by the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, this is your go-to Pacers podcast because we got the game recap for you right after the Pacers' dominating victory. Talk to me about this game. Oh, my God. Domination. That's got to be the word. This was a this was a franchise night. We talked about 86 points. The mm. franchise record it matched it. 152 points. Matched the franchise record. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better, I would say, complete game out of the Pacers. They hold the Spurs to 111. They score 152 in the process. Alex, it feels like maybe once in a lifetime you really get to be chanting to say, break the scoring record tonight. Pacers had a chance to do it, but at the same point, if that's the only thing we can complain about, that's a good night. I'll say this, Rick Carlisle picks up his 900th career win for mm-hmm. uh, his his career, so that's great for him. Miles Turner played in his 500th game of his career, and the Pacers pretty much just did to the Spurs what the Celtics did to the Pacers last Wednesday, dominate offensively from start to finish. This was a fantastic game, Fachi. 57.9% from the field, 52.6% from the three-point line, until Jordan Wara, a great shooter, Missed a free throw in the fourth. This team was going to go 23 of 23 from the free throw line. And so, I mean, they could not miss. Uh, uh, I know. It's just, it's kind of unfortunate that it happens to be Jordan War. It's like, of all guys, it's like, oh, like, but at the same point, I mean, what we saw tonight from start to finish, the Pacers never trailed. They led by as much as 40 points. We saw an aggressive Tyrese Halliburton in the first half. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. 
assertive Tyrese scoring. We just talked about this. It's what after you want. Hornets game, we were like, we have got to see Tyrese be more assertive. I think. I think you said he's a pass first guy. That's what mm-hmm. it's. It's it's natural for him to do that. I'm like, listen, they need him to score. He has got to establish himself early on. And what did he have? Ten points in the first quarter, and Miles yep. had eleven. That's yep. what you want to see. I just felt like they, from the start, had that bad taste in their mouth yep. coming off that Hornets loss. And they really set that tone early. And the Pacers, like I said, they never trailed in this game, but they scored 44 points in the first quarter, the most they've scored in a first quarter You know, this, this season. This mm-hmm. game was just filled of season or franchise bests, and it was awesome to see. I mean, like I said, they had 86 at halftime. It felt like the Pacers were in control every second of this game and i felt across the board pretty much everybody played really well and and, and it's just awesome to see every player gets in except for daniel tice i i don't know when it's gonna happen it's that, not that's it's not gonna you know, happen yeah i don't think it's gonna happen at this point th- there's no scenario if it ain't boston when you lose by 51 and it ain't when, when you win by you know whatever 40 plus 40 41 i don't know when there's an opportunity for it but another guy I do want to shed some positive light on, Obi Toppin, Obi. breakout performance, 19 points. We have been waiting for it. He goes 6 of 11 from the field. He's a plus 25, which is the second best rating behind only Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, in transition, he's fantastic. We saw some awesome you know, some awesome dunks. It's what he does. And goes 6 of 6 from the free throw line, the most free throws attempted by a pacer on the night. Obi, it was awesome to see him just succeed tonight. Yeah, and we got to talk about what he did defensively. He drew the assignment of Victor Wimbanyama, and I know some people are like, why isn't Miles guarding him? But look, it made sense for Obi Toppin to guard him because, look, Wimbanyama's not a very uh, – he's got a very thin frame, let's just put it that way. Yes. He doesn't have a lot of meat or muscle on that body yet as he continues to develop and grow his body into an NBA player. Now, look, there's no doubt about it. Wimbanyama is a very polarizing player, fantastic young prospect, probably one of the best we've ever seen. But oh, let's yeah. be real. They're going to have ups and downs. The the, the Spurs were coming off the uh, second night of a back-to-back. They just lost a tough game in Toronto. It was kind of a miracle that Victor even played this game. You know, the Spurs were down Devin Vassell. But uh, I will tell you this, as good as Devin Vassell is, I don't think that would have mattered in tonight's game. Just like we talked about the Celtics game. Even if we would have had Tyrese, it would not have mattered. When you lose by 51 points, it's just not your night. So, Overall, you're right. Obi Toppin deserves all the flowers. He was fantastic in this game. He was in the right spot, making the right reads and doing the right stuff that you want to see from your power forward. And this is what it is like when you have an athletic power forward that can do a lot of different things because of that athleticism being so beneficial. Because who else would the Pacers have thrown on Obi Top or excuse me, on Victor Wimbanyama in previous years? They don't have anybody to match up with what he yeah. brings skill set wise. Not saying Obi's the best fit. But for what the Pacers have, they had nobody else that was a better matchup, I think, for Victor Wimbanyama. Mm-hmm. No, that, that was great. And overall, for the, the starting lineup, I mean, you saw good contributions from Bruce Brown. No, it was not one of those nights where he needed, you know, 19 points or anything, but just a well-balanced seven points, five rebounds, four assists. Yeah. Good to see. Miles Turner, another double-double finishes Man, with 15. Rebounding machine? This is the best rebounding version of Miles we have ever seen, hands down. I just feel like night in, night out, he has really battled on the glass. You take out that Boston game, 
which was just a disaster for everybody. And I mean, Turner's rebounding numbers, they're fantastic. So I love what I've seen from Miles. I think that he has answered all the questions so far of could he duplicate what he did last year? And so far, that's what he's doing. I think we're getting a a really, really good Miles Turner. Let's also put this out there. It's 15 points and 11 rebounds in 21 minutes. Mm. I'm I mean, that's as as great as it gets for Turner having a double-double in as little minutes as possible. No, you're right about that. I'm looking at Turner's numbers here rebounding-wise for the year because I wanted to see what he's done. And, you know, there it looks like he's averaging eight and a half for the season, Flachie. So Prior to really, this game, I believe. That's before this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the last one they have listed here is the Charlotte game where he only had six. I thought Charlotte, he struggled a little bit on the glass. Yeah, he, Mark Williams, the team, the team in general did. Now, mm-hmm. against Boston, he only had five rebounds. But against Cleveland, he had 12. Against Chicago, he had 11. Against Cleveland, again, he had nine. And then the opening night, he had eight. So you like to see him in the upper echelon of, you know, closer to 10. You want to see him continue to grow in that area and just be a force down low. And I think with Obi Toppin kind of leaking a little bit more than maybe previous other power forwards might have done, this does kind of put more responsibility on Miles to be more of a rebounder. But I also think the new defensive scheme that this team is running, where they're trying to run guys off the three-point line a little bit more and kind of make them play more of a mid-range game or get to the basket, this is allowing Turner a better chance to not get not have to play so much recovery. I don't feel like we've seen Turner have to play a lot of recovery defense like we've seen the last previous years, where he's constantly having to be the last line of defense. And we've seen these guys really have to own up and, and figure things out a little bit differently. So I don't want to get into all the nitty gritty of all the terminologies of what's going on there with the defensive schemes. But you guys understand what I'm saying. Turner isn't being relied upon to be the last line of defense every single possession like it felt like it had been for the previous years. It's more seldom when it happens. And I think we've seen more discipline from our perimeter defense with this new system. I think so. And, you know, let's also give the Pacers some credit here because this isn't like the San Antonio team of last year. This is a San Antonio team that came in at three and three. They had beat Phoenix twice. Yeah. So I think that that this is a, a you know, a San Antonio team that had been playing some solid basketball. And I think for the Pacers to be able to get as large of a win as they did tonight just shows that it's just like what we talked about the other day. I mean, they could beat anybody. They could drop a game to pretty much anybody. You never know. But this sort of comes with, you know, being a, you know, a, a four and three team that's figuring things out. I, I love where we're at. The common theme, theme right now seems to be to nitpick about Benedict Matherin's role. You know, Matherin, he was 10 points, four of eight shooting. Eight of the 10 points came in the third quarter in a run where it looked like he was being more aggressive. Yeah. Plays just 22 minutes. I think right now it's like, guys, if we're winning, what's the problem? I mean, I know you want to be able to develop them right now, but like so many people were saying, if Matherin doesn't work out tonight, you got to move him. And it's like, in game seven, do we do we have to make the move? It's like, yeah. we're, it's not perfect, but, you know, I hope we get there. With yeah, the I think with, I think we got to just preach patience with Matherin right now. It, it's, I think Dustin Dopiric asked Rick Carlisle about this and, in pregame media and basically coach just said, look, I've asked Ben to do some different things this year. So Definitely. you know what we, we you're talking about that little streak there where he started going. It's he started playing basketball like Ben Matherin knows how to play basketball. And that was getting to the basket. I always think about when the Pacers had Andrew Bynum for two games and Michael Grady was on the local radio station. And he used to say he caught the ball, he turned 
and he dunked it because that was what we could never get Roy Hibbert to do when he was in the paint. It was always, you know, back down, maybe do a little baby hook, maybe fall down. It was just like Roy Hibbert was a very inconsistent player and kind of frustrating at times, especially offensively, if you remember those days. So when I think Mm -hmm. about Ben Matherin, all I kept thinking of was he caught the ball, he drove to the basket, and he scored it. Similar to what they used to say about Andrew Bynum, is he caught the ball, he turned, and he dunked it. And that's what we want to see from Matherin. It's like, I understand he's trying to grow, and we're going to continue to see that growth happen. Defensively, Caitlin Cooper pointed out some really good stuff on Twitter, if you guys haven't checked it out. That's tough to watch. Where, where you see where Matherin's struggling, and it's like, look, everyone wants to be so super defensive of Ben because you, you believe in his future. But at the same time, you got to call it out when it's out there, and it's just it's not been good. So I think that this moment, it was frustrating for me because – they did go to that lineup that I talked about with Ben Matherin with the bench. And the Spurs went on like maybe like a 6-0 run or something like that. It wasn't even that many yeah. points. And Rick Carlisle calls a timeout. He puts in Bruce Brown for Ben, and he puts in Miles in for Isaiah Jackson, and the Pacers just erupt once again. And it's like, okay, I don't really think Ben was the problem during that run previously no. by the Spurs, but it just happened where they pulled him out and put Bruce back in the game. And – they went on this run, and I'm like, man, I just wish Matherin could have been out there to experience it a little bit. So that was a tough one overall, but you just got to love the growth from Ben in this game to not force too much and, and kind of let Tyrese be the focal point of scoring the basketball with that first unit. And we even saw some action where where Ben was able to be more of a facilitator and kind of initiate the offensive set to get Tyrese some looks. Yeah, he had a, a great pass. I think it might have been Obi Toppin, maybe. He, whatever it was, it was one finish yeah. that he easily could have finished it himself, and he gave it, I believe, Obi, and it, it was just nice to see. And I think overall, although he you know he had been struggling lately, he does go 4 of 8 in this game for 10 points, which is his most efficient game out, out of the last four games, or last few games, actually, last five. So, you know, we, we saw it was a game that Ben Matherin wasn't really needed to have to be too aggressive when the Pacers end up obviously having the type of offensive outburst that they had but I thought across the board one other guy that I do want to highlight um is honestly Isaiah Jackson had some moments tonight he needs, um, he needs his praise tonight he, he does because I I think that we saw uh, one an unbelievable block against Victor Wembanyama that I thought really was like man I really hope this gets enough shine because I know if worlds were reversed everyone was like Wembanyama with an amazing block and I saw you know the NBA was sharing it and other people and I was like great that's how it should be because that was a great block by Isaiah he finished it with two blocks he had some great slams he did have five fouls but at the same point it was this was good he had good moments in this game and I was happy for him to be able to get that run tonight no you're right I think that Jalen Miles and Isaiah all had three fouls by the end of the first half so yeah, they did you know it was like some tic tacky calls Jalen Smith we got to talk about this real quick he was upset on his third foul call. He, like, wanted to, like, he was very close to getting a technical foul. Surprised he didn't get it, but the referee moved away. Yeah, me too. As he exited the floor, he was mean mugging the referee. Walks to the bench, ends up kicking something on his way to the tunnel. I couldn't see what he kicked from where I was at at the game tonight. But he was upset, and I was like, okay, I mean, this is justified. That was a pretty bogus call, and I know he's really been trying to improve upon his game and just become this reliable backup center for this team. So when he feels like he's getting called for, for stupid fouls that really probably the first the first couple were, were fouls. I don't think the last one was a foul as much. So it also goes to tell you why you shouldn't use your coach's challenge on an out-of-bounds play in the first quarter when you're up by 20 points. Maybe that's a good yeah. idea to hold on to that challenge. But 
Regardless, Isaiah Jackson got the opportunity. He came in and he thrived for the moments he was out there. Had some really nice flashes. I think he had an alley-oop dunk, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe in the second half. He had a dunk of some sort. I can't remember. Yeah. No, he he had a nice dunk. I don't know if I don't think it was an alley-oop. Maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. But yeah, I can't over. remember. It's all a blur. Everything they threw up one oh, yeah. so I can't remember everything. But you're right. That block, though, he had on Victor Wimbanyama. That is one that is going to go down as maybe his best highlight of his entire NBA career. He's going to need to hang that poster in the house wherever he can find a spot. And I honestly, I think Dustin O'Pierrick said this, uh, said this on Twitter, and I totally agree. I wouldn't hang anything else up next to that. That is a special moment that when Victor Wimbanyama is winning an NBA championship, Isaiah Jackson can say, looky here, I had the first block in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Like a poster Welcome block to the NBA, it. Rook. You know, yeah, and, welcome, and to, that was his welcome to the NBA. It world. was, but it really was though. And to your point before, you were right. No, Isaiah Jackson did have an alley oop. I thought for a second you were talking about Jalen Smith. Isaiah did gotcha, because gotcha. I remember when he when he flushed down that alley oop. I thought to myself, like, man, a couple years ago we were like, this guy could jump out the ceiling. But then you see Obi Toppin, yeah, and you're like, all right, now that guy can really jump out the ceiling. So, um, yeah, I, I thought tonight just Ajax definitely wanted to give him his flowers. Jalen Smith going back to him plays twelve minutes, nine points. Seven boards, four or four shooting. And a three. It's a three-pointer that Bashi. just looked – I, I had tweeted out. Every time that, that Jalen Smith – I'm sitting here live, okay? I'm at the game, so I'm ahead of you by like three minutes, right? I'm sitting here, <laughs> and I'm just refreshing your Twitter feed, and I said my buddy oh, David, yeah. I said, I'm waiting for the Fachi Jalen Smith tweet. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I'm like, there it Looking. is. There it is. It arrived. That three-pointer looked so good, but he's so picky and choosy with his th- threes. It's like – He's so smart with it. Like, he's not just, like, putting up threes and going, like, one of four or something like that. Like, he's going, like, one of one or, like, two of two or, you know, things like that where he's efficient. He doesn't have this, like, turnaround fadeaway shot where I was like, what? Like, he's been working on that? Like, Jalen Smith, man, that bag is getting deeper. So, I I just – I'm, like, obsessed with what I've seen this year out of Jalen Smith. I could not be happier for him. Uh, And then just obviously, you know – one guy that I wanted to also shed some light on, Buddy Heald. Mm. First start of the of the year. Remember, we did our stock up, stock down. At that point, we were through, I think, three games on the yeah. year. Maybe it was four. I was like, I don't know, maybe like stock in the middle. Like hard to really tell. Over the last three games, Buddy Heald is averaging 17.3 points per game on 59% shooting and 54% shooting from three. This wow. is awesome. I mean, he's playing his role off the bench flawlessly in the last few games and just shows how vital he is to this team and the chemistry that he has with this group. He's an elite-level shooter, Fachi. That's one of the things that this Pacers front office and coaching staff likes about having Buddy Hill on the roster. Yeah, we know he's in an expiring contract. We did some trade ideas for Buddy Hill for a podcast just to have some kind of something to talk about in case there was a – reason the Pacers do make a deal with so many guards on this team, but you can see why he fits in so well. And I want to give a shout out again here because I had no intentions of going to this game tonight. I wasn't covering it for the media purposes and our good guy rooster, right? Faithful listener of the show said, Hey, I got an extra ticket for tomorrow. Do you want it? I was like, look, I'm not going to pass this up. You get a free ticket to watch Victor Wimanyama. I'm in. So I go, he says, I have an extra one too. So my buddy David was able to go with me. So shout out to Rooster, sat next to him and his boy, Easton. It was a great, uh, great game. And um, we had a lot of fun just 
watching this Pacers team dominate. So I want to thank him once again for hooking me up. What's up? I got a quick shout out for Rooster because Rooster slid into my DMs today. He offered me a ticket for next week against the Magic. Said I got an extra ticket. Is there any way you could fly in? I really appreciated the offer. It's actually my birthday next weekend. I told him I'm not going to be able to make it, but I definitely appreciate him reaching out. So, Rooster, we're just chock full of shout outs tonight. The man just keeps on giving. I love it. So, where, where, where are you going for your birthday? Well, I got, I just got birthday plans. Just, oh, uh, you know, Washington, with, with, DC. You know, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to be staying local, but, you know, I got, got some family coming in and, and everything. So, we're going to do that. Amy's got a couple surprises, you know. So, um, who knows? Who knows what I'll yeah. be doing? But I, I, I won't be unfortunately on a plane to Indiana, you know, for for that game. Yeah, Rooster's son um, asked him in halftime. He goes, "Who's the guy sitting next to us?" He's like, "Oh, that's Alex from Setting the Pace." And he was like, "Oh, is he the Wizards fan?" And he's like, "No, no, oh the other God. guy." Just by the grin that she had on your face before you told this story, I knew it was going in some sort of direction like that. So it was just like pretty much just ripped the bandaid off. Just I was trying to keep it moving. I really was. But yeah, yeah. No, that that that's great. But he, he sent me a rooster sent me a picture of his uh son Easton. He's got the, the fresh brand new Pacers jersey on. So that was awesome to see. I think that was the first time I really saw someone like wearing it outside of like uh like a player or someone like modeling it on, on Twitter. So really cool to see. And uh, you know, Rooster, we appreciate uh you know the tickets. Yeah, absolutely. So back to Jalen Smith, eight of twelve for three from the uh, from three for the year. Like you said, he's picking and choosing when to shoot him, but they've always been timely, and that's been the big thing. They've been timely, and it's been, hey, I'm not going to rush and take this shot. Uh, I love the little fadeaway that he did shoot. And my buddy David was like, "What is he shooting the fadeaway for?" I said, "Look, that's the only way he was going to create separation to get that shot up." Okay, so I, I will say this: you look at the box score, and you just kind of go down the line and. One guy we haven't even talked about yet, only played 16 minutes, but Aaron Neesmith, just, he is just a constant for this Pacers team. Win or lose, he seems to be putting up pretty similar stats. You know, there's some games where he doesn't necessarily put the points up, but you feel his presence on the court, and you can definitely feel it tonight. I think he had a step back three over Victor Wimbanyama, and then he, like, gave him the three-point sign and looked at him. There was one where Buddy Hill kind of made a layup where Wimbanyama was in the vicinity, and he pointed at Victor. I'm telling you what. There's a lot of pressure on that rookie, a lot of hype around a him, lot. and a lot of people want to, you know, take it to him. So, you know, I, I feel I feel for him a little bit, but I don't feel that bad because the Pacers needed this victory after that heartbreaking loss, like we talked about on Sunday, and they were able to get back get back on their winning ways, and now they're ready for the Utah Jazz, Fachi, on Wednesday night, coming off that big one. They cannot get too high off of this game, and I hope that they can just be as focused after dominating a Spurs team, that clearly is not a playoff team whatsoever. Now, the Spurs are not ready yet. I thought this was a good win, but just like we talked about the Hornets, there are certain teams that we view as beneath the Pacers, and I and, and the Utah Jazz could be one of those, and I don't think that's the right mentality to have because yeah, you could easily o- overlook Utah. At one point, Utah was up like 30 points on the Memphis Grizzlies uh, You know, maybe a week or so ago. So it's Everybody's like, been killing the Grizzlies. Though. Everybody's been beating them. But it's like, look, the, the Jazz, they're a team that shocked a lot of people last year at times. I, I think that they have good players on their roster despite their record. 
So we don't want to just completely overlook them and, and and not get up for this game. So I think this is going to be really important to be able to handle business while you're still at home during this stretch. If the Pacers can you know stretch us to, to five and three, you would feel really good knowing, hey, maybe a couple of these games got away from us, but we're we're going at a really good pace. And, and I think that this team right now, they're, they're, they're getting more familiar with each other. They're, they're clicking. And I, I think that we're starting to see, hey, look, on a night like tonight, like Obi Toppin broke out. What, what, if, what if he can continue this going? Like Matherin, I think, is going to be more than just fine. He, he, he's getting it going. I think that we're having guys step up each night outside of a Tyrese Halliburton. We might not know necessarily who's going to be that second guy, but each game, for the most part, there's been a second guy contributing, you know, close to 20 points or so to be able to help out. And I think that that's the beauty of this team is how deep they are and how when they go nine, nine deep, those nine players are really contributing to this game instead of having, hey, you got, you know, three, three good guys and four, you know, whatever, six somewhat all right guys. This this squad's deep. Yeah, the good thing about having this depth is you don't have to rely on the same people to always have yep. good and consistent games. But like you said, the problem is we really do need someone to kind of separate themselves from the pack. I know, we do. As that number two option. And I think right now, based on the seven games we've seen, it seems like the most consistent person to be in that mid-range scoring level of like 15 to 20 points is Miles Turner. It does. And that's kind of where he was last year at 18 points a game. So maybe we'll kind of see that. But I don't think him being the number two scorer for this team is ultimately the best look for this team in terms of how far they want to go. I think that Miles even talked about it when I asked him like on Friday against the, against the Cavs, I'm like getting going. Like, does that really help you with their confidence? He's like, look, my first thing is to set the tone defensively. If I get offense, I get offense. So he's not really necessarily looking to be that number two guy offensively. It just kind of happens when things are going the right way for him and he's got a good matchup or whatever, but this is where you'd like to see maybe a Ben Mathering separate himself and, and really become that guy. And, I will say that maybe you're not as worried as I am, but I do think that there are a lot of concerns with him right now. There is. Seven games in, right? Four and three. You don't feel like it's the right time to push the panic button, but at the same time, yeah. you're just monitoring it. And tonight, pretty efficient night from him. You know, obviously it was a weird game because the Pacers were dominating the whole entire yeah. time. I want to see what happens when they play the Jazz. How does he handle maybe a team that is a little bit more competitive? as we continue moving on and he continues to have different roles uh, with this team instead of just being that score. But that's why I said, I love that he got the ball, went to the basket and scored because that's what he does best. And I'm fine with the passing. I'm fine with that, but not to where it's going to be a detriment. It's going to be detrimental to him scoring the basketball and defensively. That's just a totally different ball game. We're going to talk about at some point because that's just bad. And a lot of it's just focus attention to detail not getting lost in the shuffle. He had some plays tonight that I noticed, you know, without looking at the film where he just kind of ball watches or reacts a little bit slow. And it's not me hating on the guy, but it's just me wanting him to separate himself from being, you know, the fifth option in the starting lineup or the fourth option in the starting lineup to, you know, Hey, let me be number two Tyrese. You can get your 25. I'm going to put in 17, 18 a night and, and really help carry this load. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's the thing. That's why in that span where he did score eight of his 10 points, I felt great to be like, just keep feeding the ball, get him that yeah. confidence up. Like I, part of me kind of wanted to see him play in the fourth quarter. I know it's not the smart thing to do, but just to be able to get more shots up. So he does feel like, all right, cool, cool. I, I you know, I dropped, dropped like 15 or so, you know, I I can do it when they allow me to, but yeah, obviously it's different than last year when you're, you're not that focal point of the second yeah. offense. You do have a tougher challenge defensively in that starting lineup. It's it is tough, and I the, my thing is like it it is something to be worried about. I just don't want this to be the overpowering storyline that takes right. away from winning. Like right now, the Pacers they're, they're five and three. I mean, what do we have to complain about? Or four four and three. Four and three yeah. what, what, what what do we have to complain about? I'm already counting that Jazz when I'm getting here greedy. You know, I well, we I want to beat them. I want to go to five. We should but, be six and one. I know, and that that's that's the problem is like when are we ever going to be satisfied because we win games, but it's the ones that that lost that 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 still hurt a bit. Yeah. So I do think with Matherin, yeah, look, you know, we're we're, we're seven games into the season out, out of eighty-two. It's not a lot. There's still a lot to play. I saw someone tweeted, and maybe the both of us earlier, like, when is there panic? Yeah. The arbitrary number just feels like twenty-five games into a season. That feels like a good 25. chunk. At twenty, you can make an argument for twenty because it's basically twenty five percent of the season. So it's like, all right, that that is a legitimate number to say, hey, we're a quarter of the season in, so we got some time to go before then. But one player we didn't get to touch on uh, that I wanted to Where's highlight, he's, he's been quiet. Well, well, we'll get to him. But Andrew Nemhard, I feel like he he had, he had nine points, eight assists, just sixteen minutes. But like, 
Lamar's that guy where I feel like he's been kind of quiet, but in a game like tonight, like if you only play 16 minutes, could you really play that much better than, than nine points, eight assists? I, I felt that it was a good performance. He goes three of five from three-point land. He's someone that like, I think we all kind of expected to be breaking out more, but he's playing his role well. It's just not as big of a role as it was last year. It's just different. And I think that when it they is. brought on Bruce Brown, it did kind of impact how he was going to be did. utilized. And you can't blame the Pacers for doing it because Bruce Brown has been a really nice piece for this team. And he fits yes. in pretty well stylistically with what they want to do. And I think right now, Bruce Brown is probably a better player than Andrew Nimhart. As much yes. as I, I believe in Andrew Nimhart's upside, and I think Andrew Nimhart actually has a higher ceiling than Bruce Brown. Yeah, long-term, no doubt. Yeah, but right now in year two, I just don't think Nimhart's there yet. But, yeah, this is kind of the problem with this Pacers team because they're trying to find that dynamic of developing and winning games that we talked about, players growing and having sophomore slumps and having bigger roles and teams having more of a scouting report on them. It's tough. I definitely mentioned to my friend David tonight, I'm like, look, I really miss how much fun it was to see Ben and Andrew kind of have those special moments. Like they show the highlight of when Andrew Nimhard hit the game winner against the Lakers, and it's like, man, it feels like that was so long ago. Now. Or the game against the Warriors that he went off on. And you're like, oh, the Rook is here. But the, the problem I think that's going to be here for a while is just Andrew Nimhard's natural position is the point guard. And the Pacers have that position locked up long term with their franchise guy. So, you know, Andrew Nimhard's always going to be Tyrese's backup or a guy that can close games with a starting, you know, with a group from the, or the, the closing five and not starting five, but he could be a part of the closing five units that are in close games because of his defensive versatility, his playmaking. And I think he's an underrated shot maker too. So overall, I'm a big, I'm a big Nimhard fan. I I love his game. And I think that maybe if you were to swap him and Matherin in the starting lineup, you would see uh, an increase for that first unit's defense playmaking. And overall, I mean, Kalen Cooper put out a great video talking about when Nimhard and Neesmith are both in the game. And with Bruce Brown, I think out there too just how different they rotate, how much more attentive to detail they are defensively. So he's just a really skilled basketball player. Right now, he's just kind of in this weird spot, I think, as being more of a backup point guard instead of a guy that's going to get more run with Tyrese. And we already have too many guards that need opportunities to kind of score and be that. So he's pigeonholed right now a little bit into a different spot. Yes, It's tough, though, because it's like – the list of point guards that could be better than Tyrese Halliburton is pretty much microscopic. I just feel that Halliburton right now is playing such amazing basketball that it's like that. That's a, that's a tough spot to be in right there. Like it feels like almost like a legitimate 0% chance that it's like Nemhar would ever be the starting point guard for the Indiana Pacers. It would take something awful for that to happen. And, you know, I'm going to knock on wood for that. So, I just think in this scenario with Nemhard, it's like, you know, we, we, we got to figure this out to the best of our ability. It's a great problem to have. He's the cheapest player on the Pacers payroll. Very talented player. Still really young. We will figure this out. We will. Um, But for, for now, I mean, when you're winning, it's like, look, if he's in a, in a win, able to contribute nine points, eight assists, you, you just got to be happy with it. But one of the names that you brought up earlier, Ben Shepard, we saw him. It, it's been evident. His spot in the rotation is ahead of Jarrett Walker. He came in earlier, played 12 minutes. You know, Shepard, seven points, 
Yeah, I, I think that we, we saw some moments. Um, yeah, I think he, he had a couple shots that were even really close to going in that ended up coming out. So he, he could have he could have dropped 10, you know, basically in that fourth quarter alone. Um, just, just a player that I am excited about moving forward and also happy to have Jarris Walker back from uh, the upper respiratory, uh, you know, issue that he was dealing with. Yeah, and you kind of have to wonder maybe if that played a factor into him getting it a little bit later than starting out the fourth quarter or maybe they wanted to kind of ease him in a little bit and, and have other guys get some opportunities there as well. But, yeah, I think this was, at the end of the day, just a really good opportunity to see some guys get some minutes that they normally wouldn't see. We got to expand the rotation to 14 players tonight, like you mentioned, and everybody got a chance to score that played in the game. So that is what you like to see, people sharing the basketball, people growing in different areas, people learning the game. And Ben Shepard had some nice moments. So, Rooster, I'm going to give him another shout-out. He did tell oh. me he has a tweet saved about Ben Shepard. That's a very spicy and hot take Oh, that he is ready to release within the next couple of years when that moment is correct. So, Wow. Really holding on to this one for the long run. I am anxiously awaiting for this day to happen because if Rooster is able to tweet this out, we're going to be in good shape, Pacer fans. I'll just put it that way. In regards to Ben Shepard, if Rooster could put this tweet out that he told me about, we're going to be in good hands. But yeah. I think this is just a great way to kind of close things out is once again, just realizing and, and not remembering, but just reflecting on Rick Carlisle getting his 900th win. This is fantastic for Rick, for the franchise. And they put out a six minute video on. So it was media. awesome. It was lots great. of, lots of great quotes in there. Current roster, former players, coaching staff, the, you know, Steve Simon, the new, he's going to take over as the governor of the Pacers when Herb Simon does step down. So just absolutely loved how much they talked about Rick's off-the-court involvement with these players, the love that he has for these guys. It's just you felt such a connection when you heard these interviews. And you could feel the love from the players and the coaches and all the former players of how much Rick has meant to them, not just as a coach, but as a mentor and someone that kind of looked out after him throughout their careers. No, no doubt the love was felt. I mean, current players, yeah, you could just see, you know, they really enjoy playing from some of the past players i mean there's something about ron artest that's like he's sitting in the car he's got like his little scarf on and he's just like it, talking nice about weather. all these yeah he's just talking about all all these great moments that you know he might have been annoyed at rick back in the day but make no mistake about it he had his best season under rick carlisle and he could look back on that very fondly now you got some jeff foster austin crozier just some of the real throwbacks uh that it was great to hear from so I thought that video was worth every second of it. You know, the, the six plus minutes that it was, um, it just showed that, man, hey, Rick Carla, a true legend, second most wins of any active head coach behind only the guy that was on the opposite sideline tonight, you know, in uh, Coach Pop. So two, two legends. Rick, I mean, man, the Pacers' whole franchise turned around when they brought Rick Carlisle back. I have no idea where we would be if that move did not happen. Because if it didn't, you know Tyrese Halliburton likely ain't here and and so many other players. So I don't even want to think about what that nightmare may have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he definitely did have a, a big say in rebuilding this roster. And because of his success, 900 wins in his third year with the Pacers now, having so much history with this franchise and having so much success throughout the league and 
the long time that he's been here, whether it's been as a player or an assistant coach or a head coach, he's earned that respect from the front office to have a say with what this organization should do. And he has the organization's best interests at heart. So that's why I get kind of annoyed when I see people kind of dogging him on social media. Always oh, a bad coach. Right. He's holding this guy back. He's doing that. No, I think if you listen to Jenny Busick talk about the level of commitment he has to evolving his game and learn and change from how the game has shifted, you got to think about it. When he was first coaching, uh, like as an assistant with the Portland Trailblazers, then when he comes to the Pacers with Larry Bird, and then he ends up becoming a head coach, think about how drastically the league has changed over the last Massively. 25, 30 plus years. It's been multiple changes of style of play, and Rick has been able to find success in every era. Look, he might not only he might only have one championship, but that's a lot more than a lot of coaches can say. So yes, yes, it is. It's a special it's a special day to recognize Rick Carlisle for all that he is. He's a great coach. Pacers are beyond lucky to have him. Indiana fans should be more appreciative and grateful for who he is as a coach and what he means for this franchise. You know, he's not one that really loves the spotlight on him. He's a pretty humble guy. Doesn't really enjoy it. But at the same time, I think he is deserving of every single bit of praise and love that he has gotten tonight and that he'll continue to get throughout his tenure here because I have no doubt about it. If he continues coaching at the level he's coaching at, we're going to see a 1,000 in the next couple of seasons. Oh, yeah. I definitely look forward to seeing a 1,000. You could just see him outside even the video. Like so many Pacer players just ran to Twitter just to be able to give him that shout-out. And it's just like – I don't know. I don't know. Like tonight, like I was just like, man, we are we are sitting good because you look at this roster right now, you just know that we're we're far from done. But there's also times that I'm like, I don't want to rush it when they are playing well because it's so easy to always look for that next move. But just like I think sometimes we got to sit back and enjoy what we're building right now and know that moves will be coming. But don't just make a move just to make a move. It's like. Give this team some time. 38 assists tonight. They lead the NBA in assists per game. Through the first three games, they had the most assists of any team in NBA history. Right now, the Pacers, the way that they are sharing the rock is everything that you could have asked for from what we watched a few years ago. Where we were like, man, this team has no real point guard. It's like your, your leading assist guy could have five assists. It's like Tyrese does that in a quarter. So let's just keep on keeping on. Bring on the Utah Jazz. I, I I really want to be able to handle business. Finish out this this homestand strong. I know we, we it's it's oh I think five straight games at home I believe. Yeah, um, we're on game number four against the Jazz. Yep. Uh, so th- this is the time right now where it's like, look, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves by any means, but it's just like you're talking about the, the Milwaukee Bucks. You on know Thursday. It's like, look, that's going to be a really, really tough game. NBA TV, some people consider national television. Some people don't. You know, whatever it is, it. it's a, it's available to more people. Would I love to be able to make a splash on NBA TV? Absolutely. Am I getting ahead of myself and overlooking the Jazz? Absolutely. I don't want to do it, so let's just take this one game at a time. But, man, I – it's it's uh it's uh November sixth nighttime right now. I'm fired up about these Indiana Pacers. I'll tell you this: the Bucks don't have a defensive stopper to really contain Tyrese. They're struggling defensively, so we'll see. That game might be more winnable than we think. But wanted to close things out here just reading a quote from Tyrese Halliburton on his relationship with Rick Carlisle. He said, "Rick's just a really smart guy. He really understands the game of basketball." 
He seems a lot, he's seen a lot, and he's been able to help me in so many different ways. We have a very honest relationship where we can bounce ideas off each other. I really am thankful for our relationship and really look forward to continuing to grow together. You love hearing that from your franchise point guard fully endorsing their head coach because if those two are in great unison and synced, then you're going to have the the rest of that trickle-down effect. Even Daniel Tice respects Rick Carlisle as his coach despite not seeing the floor. So TJ McConnell said they still have a lot of work left to do, and I loved hearing that as well. So some guys that on the outside of the rotation maybe – Still pretty respectful of uh, Coach Carlisle. No, it, it was. And even McConnell said in the video, he's like, we still have a lot of work to do together. They're like, we're, we're not – whatever you, you mentioned before. Like, there was an emphasis on, like, together like that. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. that he, – he could have just kept it real short, whatever it is, for a guy that is not playing as much as he wants to play. He's still 110% invested in what we're doing. Yeah, not yeah. just what he's looking to do. Awesome, awesome stuff. The last thing I got to say, because we talked about how the Pacers had an opportunity to break the franchise scoring record. TJ McConnell dribbles it out. I know the crowd wanted it. They were booing. What were your thoughts? I know, exactly. Look, they were booing, uh, you know, as if we didn't just win by 41. But at the same point, I get it. You rarely have an opportunity to set history like this. McConnell did, the, you know, the – the classy basketball move where you're like, look, we're up so much. We don't need to shoot it. But do you think he had any idea that the scoring record was in reach? I don't know if they communicate that type of thing at that point in the game. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I doubt it. I would say, I don't think he knew. I don't, but I think that regardless of what the score was, he was not going to set up an offensive play to let somebody score just because you have too much respect for the game. Rick Carlisle doesn't seem it. like someone that would want to be disrespectful to the game or his longtime coaching friend, Rick, Pop. uh, Greg Popovich. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I, I think that does also play a factor into it, but I, I don't think Rick, if it would have been the newest coach in the NBA going up against the Pacers, I don't think Rick would have tried to tell his team to score again on that next possession either. So we rarely see it unless you're Lance Stevenson making your comeback to the field house. Lance so, would have done it. He you would. know, that's what we all wanted. We needed a Lance out there for this moment, but – uh, I know you said that was the last thing. I just want to continue. Greg Popovich did have a quote on Rick Carlisle getting his 900th win. He said, he's one of the most respected and hardworking guys. I hope he win- uh, keeps winning for a long period to come. So uh, that can kind of tie, uh, put a bow on that one, Fonch, and we can quit talking about Rick Carlisle. We really are just glad that he is a Pacers head coach and glad that he's had so much success and is able to continue doing that here for the Pacers. But with that being said, go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on the good old social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod, STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod, STP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Absolutely. You can check us out on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our post-game videos. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating interview over on Apple or Spotify because that does help more Pacer fans find this show. And you guys know that we are putting in the work. Five-plus episodes a week, more to come with that. We are just constantly giving you the content that you are craving if you are a diehard Pacer fan. Now, if you're a casual Pacer fan, you can check in with us because you know we're going to have content for you of some sort. But with that being said, if you're excited that the Indiana Pacers are back on their winning ways, Fachi, hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers!
to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.